what is up guys due to some i don't know unfortunate series of events and bad decision making you have landed here with me on episode 34 of aid thompson and other disappointments um this is free to listen to on youtube itunes and spotify um uh, and with a cheeky advanced listen coming soon to patreon subscribers it's it's you'll still get to listen to it on youtube and itunes and everything uh but there'll just be like a first listen for patreon um supporters if you like um so you'll still be able to absorb mine and my guests political and dystopian musings and non-versation thereafter but i want to sort of try to uh to, to give something to the people that are supporting um me and and this podcast because i want it to continue growing and for it to uh to to be able to attract the guests that you guys want to listen to so um so that's that um this episode today is an edition of fuck this week which um i said before i really wanted to call it mother fuck this week like it, like it, i feel like that really conveys my my dismay and my um like just just you know when you pinch the top of your nose you know and squint your eyes in, in disbelief at the cretiny that you see before you in in broad society that's that i feel like mother fuck this week i really feel like that encapsulates that feeling uh better than fuck this week but you know what fuck this week works too so um you know if it fits in the artwork better and it's more likely to be commissioned by people if it apparently motherfuck is more more offensive so let's, let's just go with fuck this week um so this is like these these fuck this week wow i've said that a lot now these uh, editions these episodes are where i run through some of the stories uh, that have resonated with me and i i try to make sense of the senseless um that's the basic concept of it just running through a couple of stories and and you know bouncing ideas off you guys and uh, uh and as i say you know trying to understand it trying to make sense of the fucking madness that gets reported in the news every fucking day every day i think that we can't scrape the barrel anymore we can't get any lower and then something comes along to just like excavate and just plow into the like through the basement archaeologists surrounding the area like yeah no this is uh this is pretty low now mate pretty terrible um so anyway let's uh let's get into it let's start the ship we are off like a prom dress um so the first first news story that resonated with me this week um, you know, and it's it's continuing to dominate the papers is uh, Afghanistan, um, you know, the, the, the withdrawal, the return of soldiers, the last flights out of Afghanistan, really shocking footage. And, um, you know, just in the last 24, 48 hours, uh, we've seen reports coming out of, of the Taliban effectively celebrating freedom, which is a weird paradoxical concept, isn't it? Because you think Taliban, you don't think freedom. You think these are guys who oppress. These are guys who want to remove democracy, remove people's right to vote for their future and for the standards um, that they that they want to uh, to implement or continue to have within their society. They want to take all of that away. And um, I, I don't know what the situation is with like women and children's education and the burqa and all of that shit yet. But I don't imagine it's going to be conducive with the phrase freedom um but anyway be that as it may they've celebrated the freedom of afghanistan from what they see as sort of western tyranny it's a really like weird uh through the looking glass interpretation of of the situation in in afghanistan um so there's there's footage of them celebrating that and and mocking 
uh, I just saw this morning that they've, they're holding a sort of mock funeral for the West and for NATO. Like, you know, that those those guys are finished. That's that, you know, it's all dead. And, you know, here's a funeral and we're going to talk about some of the good times that we had. But now they've got, you know, like that sort of vibe. Um, and here's the weird thing, right, is it's it, it seems really distasteful to me now to listen to that shit like you know the, these are western forces who went in there we think with admirable aims and goals you know you'd like to think that, that the reason that we went in there was to to take the taliban out and to stop uh to stop afghanistan from being this sort of haven this training ground for terror groups that's that's the narrative that we're spun um and so for us to be sort of effectively ejected from there and then for them to hold this mock funeral like mocking the death of the western influence there seems distasteful right but here's the weird thing i cast my mind back to um when i was about 28 and we had this friend his uh, i better not use his real name so i'll call him uh, wilfred his name was wilfred um and wilfred used to hang out with us uh, religiously every weekend and we would all take drugs and we would all go out clubbing and uh, we hung out and we talked and we laughed and we drank and danced and we saw a lot of Wilfred and then Wilfred got a girlfriend and it all stopped and this guy who we'd grown close to who we'd grown to sort of love and enjoyed spending time with just vanished off the face of the earth and I started to, to my shame I started posting things on Facebook saying like, you know, we had some really good times with Wilfred. He was a very loved guy and we're going to miss him a lot. And in these times of challenge, it's important to remember the good times, and share some stories about the times of Wilfred. Anyway, so like, people were like reading these statuses, statuses going like, what the fuck? Wilfred's dead? Is he dead? I'm like, no, no, he's just, we never see him anymore. He's just like cut us all off. <laughs> he got a girlfriend and now we never never see it so you know we're just gonna hold a little memorial service where we can remember him and remember you know it seemed really funny to me at that time and now i'm you know 40 years old and i look at this sort of shit taliban mock funerals i'm like actually that feels really distasteful and yet when i think back to the wilfred stuff it still makes me laugh even that like i don't know what that says about me about my psychology that distasteful stuff makes me laugh when it's me that gets the the laugh out of it i don't know um let me know if you think that was funny because if it's if it really is if if they're both equally distasteful then maybe i should make some apologies or something um anyway so the the flights were coming back in to the uk and, and to america and to other countries uh with with the last of the british soldiers um and there was a predictable front pages, you know, pictures of soldiers cramped in like sardines, uh, flying back home, uh, praising them as heroes. And uh, and and right here's here's the fucked up thing. Right. I live in what was until very recently and, and still is quite a, a sort of army town. The forces dominate the town in which I live. Uh, and I was driving through it on the morning that all of the soldiers were due to fly back in i don't know if they were you know flying back in this area wouldn't be too far from here anyway i was driving through and i was like you know a lot of this town is a shithole <laughs> you know like a lot like imagine flying back from afghanistan 
into this town and this is what you see you know like <laughs> driving i'm driving through at like 6 30 a.m or something and you know there's just bins out and the rubbish is like overflow from the bins and it's just just shit everywhere and you know people hanging around outside their houses just staring into nothingness just like smoking and emotionless you know like those like kind of people that look like they've seen too much people that like like haggard by life like and and then there's bins and there's haggard people like and it's just it's just a bit of a shit old town you know and i just think like everyone knows that morale is important for soldiers like why would you make this place you're like army town. Why would you make, why would you train these guys and tell them, yeah, it's really important that you keep your morale up. And, and by the way, this is what you're fighting for. This kind like, would you, would you fight for your country if my town was like your reference point for this kind? Oh fuck, this place is glorious. I better fight for here. Yeah, like pro probably not. I don't know. Like, would I fight for my town in which I live? If I take a drive through or a walk through and all I see is like, I mean, it's not as bad as some places I lived. I lived in Tooting and I saw a fully grown woman take a shit in a road in the middle of the day. Um, she just pulled her pants down and took a shit. And I remember thinking, never seen that before. And I've never seen it in this place that I live now. You notice I'm not giving away my town name, but um, that's because I like I never know if there's any weirdos listening. John left of the countryside told me that he basically gets stalked by like weird right wingers and like doxers and shit. So I don't want to, you know, give away too much on these things. So far, touch wood, I've been quite lucky. Um, uh, you know, I mean, if I go on, if I carry on criticizing my own town for long enough, I don't know, you know, maybe one of these weirdos will track me down and then take a shit in the street in front of... Oh, yeah, you think, you, you think you're above it, do you? You think you're above taking a shit in the street? Well, I've got something for you. Um, try and even the score or something. I don't know. Would I, would I fight for this town? If this was my reference point for my country and I trained in this town and our high street and our bins everywhere and fucking, you know junkies sitting in shop door like yeah this is a country to be proud of eh? you know go over there and fight for the honor of this place with that overdosing heroin addict over there that is it's worth fighting for no i <laughs> can i have a flight back please no no um the the other topic that came out this week it wasn't really a a a news story. It came off the back of a conversation that I had with Super Tansky and Davey Moo. And if you don't follow either of those, I don't know why you would not be by this point. Uh, Super Tansky is big on Twitter and TikTok and Davey Moo is getting big on both of those platforms. Um, they both share a lot of sort of left leaning uh, progressive um, bits and bobs on, on, on both of them and uh, uh, and often quite funny. Um, and we was we were having a chat on WhatsApp about dick pics, right? Now, dick pics. You would. Th I was about to say it's quite a contentious subject, but it's not really. Whenever the subject of dick pics gets raised in conversation, there is always a natural uh, reaction to it, which is that's fucking gross, and 
um, and people should not send dick pics. Now, you might be thinking from the tone that I'm talking about this shit that I'm about to come out and defend them like I think I should have the right to send people unsolicited dick pics. I'm not. That's not the angle that I'm coming from here. Um, it was really like... it. it I suppose it sort of opened my eyes, right, this this conversation about dick pics. Um, because so basically somebody got a dick pic unsolicited uh, and there was some confusion around it, around do I now have the right to send that dick pic elsewhere and mock it and take the piss out of it? And the argument was, like within uh, the WhatsApp conversation, was... Uh, I should have the right to do that because I didn't ask for the photo. So if you don't want your photo of your penis going around the internet or whatever, maybe don't send it to people unsolicited, right? Um, and I, I sort of volunteered the information that I used to know a guy uh, who, who I was pretty good mates with um, who did send dick pics to people. And sometimes they were unsolicited. Um, and then we, we sort of in this whatsapp conversation we got into quite a um a lengthy uh lengthy exchange about it um where i was sort of saying you know i don't think it was anything more malicious than mischief uh and this was you know what 15 years ago that he was he was doing this um in fact no it must have been maybe 10 it was like whenever camera phones first came out right i can't remember when that was uh, the old flip phones used to do cameras, right? So maybe it was 15 years ago. Um, and, uh, and and to my mind, it was never anything more than mischief. Uh, and he was quite open about it. He would just be like, hi, I, look, I sent a picture of my dick to so-and-so. Um, and then if it ever came up in conversation, it would be like a laugh, like around a pub table thing. It would be like, you know, then the girl would say like, yeah, well, why don't you stop sending me pictures of your dick then? And then everyone would laugh and he'd be like, ah, well, oh, all right then. You know, like, and I know that in today's uh, political context and uh, the context of misogyny and feminism and stuff, that sounds bad. I get that. And I imagine, you know, I'm, I don't spend so much time with him these days, um, but I imagine he's grown as a person and I can't can't imagine that he would still be sending dick pics out at age 40, right? Um, but it's still it, it it I really think it kind of shook people in the conversation in the wrong way. It was like, um, you know, I, I don't know your friend and I can't speak for him. But that to me would be ringing alarm bells. It, like, there was that kind of vibe to it. And uh, and I get that. I understand that. Um, but then there was this sort of this feeling of, um, you know, if if a man sends an unsolicited picture of his genitals to a woman that suggests that he wants to control her or that suggests that he's getting off on how uncomfortable it would make her feel and that is something to look out for uh and it's an it, it's an interesting thing because like obviously me as a guy i've never i've never received a picture of a penis so i don't know what that feels like and also i'm like being a man i I'm unlikely or less likely to feel physically threatened at the prospect of a penis landing in my, you know, like I don't have that life experience behind me where I know how it feels to have somebody bigger than me uh, sexually interested in me and I'm not interested in them. That is a really important thing. It's like when men say like, oh, well, I'd be flattered if uh, if, a, if a woman told me that it, she bet I, that she, that she thought I had a big dick, you know, like, 
I'd be flattered if if she if she said that I looked really really hot in my blah blah blah. But if you reverse the situations around, like if it's you know if a man tells a woman, oh you look fucking, you you look scalding hot in that, you know she might feel like oh no he he sees me as a sort of ah oh, this is icky and I don't want to offend him and what if I what if I turn him down and he gets all toxic about it, you know like there's a there's a totally different dynamic to it that I accept and I never am, am going to fully understand. But having said that, I also don't think that the intent there is to to make the woman feel controlled or to make the woman feel uncomfortable. I think it's it is to my mind, to my straight white male brain, it is just mischief. It's just him trying to be a bit cheeky. Now, I've never sent dick pics. It's not something that interests me. I don't think it's going to progress my case in in making women more interested in me or aroused or anything. It's it's just not a method or a medium that I would choose to explore if I was interested in a woman. Um, but I don't I don't think that it's uh, malicious or toxic. I don't think it's coming from a toxic place. But it's it was such an interesting conversation because then I, I talked about it with my girlfriend um, and we sort of, you know, we really pulled apart this idea that, you know, if you send a picture of your penis unsolicited to a woman, even if the intent is not there to make her feel uncomfortable uh, or threatened, which I think a, a lot of people think that every guy that sends a dick pic is like, you know, oh, he's a fucking rapist predator. I don't think that at all. I think actually what it is is kind of i don't want to say dumb men because it's like they're not dumb maybe they lack some layer of emotional intelligence and they don't appreciate the difference in dynamics with men and women and what by that what i mean is if a woman sends a man uh, a picture of herself naked or with her top off that is an arousing visual sexual thing you know, if a woman sends me a picture of her boobs, I'm going to go, cool, <laughs> you know? Uh, well, or, 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 you know, I'll say, actually, uh, I'm in a long-term relationship and uh, I've got two kids, so uh, but, but I think you meant to send that to someone else. Probably not. That You know, that's what I would do. Um, but, but a woman sending a picture of her boobs to a man is an arousing sexual visual thing. A man sending a picture of his penis to a woman is just not the same. It doesn't generate the same reaction with most women i'm sure there are women out there who when they get a dick pic they're like oh fucking hell love me a bit of that pork truncheon you know some real some real dirt bags out there i'm sure but um and maybe you know if you're with your husband or your boyfriend or whatever and he sends you a picture of his of his dick maybe that is arousing to you because you know him and it's not unsolicited right but the 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 um the raw nuts and bolts of sending a picture unsolicited of your private parts is not the same of like a woman doing it to a man versus a man doing it to a woman and i think the men who do send a picture of their dig to women whether unsolicited or not i just don't think they really understand that shift in dynamic um it's sort of akin to the difference in strippers right like if if a man is going to get married and his mates get him a stripper the stripper comes in, takes off her clothes, and it's actually quite, you know, like most of the men in there are looking at her boobs and her bum and going like, oh, fucking hell, she's well hot. Oh, look at her. Fuck. Like, 
And then the man sort of like, you know, sits down on the chair and she ties him up or, you know, does whatever it is that she does. But it is, there's a sexual visual thing to it where men will happily go into like fucking the honeypot in Maidenhead or um, Stringfellows or whatever. And they will pay 50 or 100 quid to sit in a booth and just stare at like with a straight face. It is, you know, it's a serious, oh, I just want to see a boot. You know, it's a serious thing. Women get a stripper in before they get married and it's a laugh it's like you know the stripper comes in and then you know the mother-in-law and the sisters are all like oh my god i can see his bummy <laughs> you know it's it's a silly thing it's a bit of a piss take and i'm some again i'm sure sometimes it is a sexual thing to some women out there but for the most part i think male strippers with groups of women i think it's kind of seen as a bit of a silly thing i think if you wanted if you wanted to um uh, I I don't know, like like the, the the equivalent of a man sending a woman a dick pic and being like, check out my dick, isn't this a turn on? Like that, that is the equivalent of uh, a woman sending me a pic of her payslip. Do you know what I mean? I'm sure I could word that a bit more articulately, a bit more eloquent, but... It, like it's kind of the same thing if if you're a man and you send a picture of your penis to a woman and go yeah naked pics are hot so here's a picture of my dick and she just sort of like looks at it like well great i mean it's not really i'm not really into like pictures of your dick like you know i'd rather have a conversation i'd rather we go out for the night and then you know yeah i'm up for some fun but you know i don't need a picture of your penis it's yeah it doesn't really that is the same as a woman sending me a picture of her high pay slip showing how much money she's earned or like check out my massive house check like be like great i mean it's not really doesn't doesn't really do much for me you know i'm sure that sounds a bit gender stereotypy but do you get my point it's like on the base level uh sending a picture of your penis doesn't work but i don't think it's necessarily always this malicious thing um it's a bit like this is going to sound a bit contentious uh but it's a bit like when people say rape isn't even about sex. It's about control. That's a, a big thing that they wheel out. You know, it's not even about sex. It's about control. It's about a man's control over a woman. And I don't know if that's true. Like, I, I mean, like I've never raped anyone. I don't know any rapists, but, uh, you know, I, in, in, in as crass way as possible. Uh, and I, I understand this is probably quite offensive to water it down like this but i would like i'd like to control my finances um but i don't send you know lewd pictures of my penis and shit to nat west you know i like it's it's i i honestly think that for the most part it comes from a sort of warped understanding of what sex is and could be and what relationships are um and and so but this this narrative of sort of control and and it gets wheeled out with dick pics and shit as well it's like well your friend sent a picture of his penis unsolicited to a woman and uh, he wanted to make her feel uh controlled he wanted to make her feel like you know even though she's uncomfortable i'm still gonna send you this picture of my penis because ha 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 i can still do it you know i don't think that's the case i think actually my girlfriend put it better than than i could when she said it's more likely on the balance of probabilities that it is some sort of desperate quite lonely man 
who's trying to leapfrog the whole getting to know you period. He's trying to leapfrog the whole like, you know, in jokes and building up a relationship with somebody and get straight to the sexual bit because he thinks that sending a picture of his penis is going to elicit like the sexual side of this relationship and she'll be like oh nice cock here's a picture of my tit you know like it's it's quite desperate it's quite base level and rushed and anyway that's that's how she sort of saw it and i i was like yeah i could see that um so yeah i don't know look i don't want to labor it too much but um i just i don't know if i agree that it's this that it's this malicious thing the thing i the the um the thing I would concede on, though, is that in the current day and age, and remember, when my friend did this, it was not the current day and age. It was 15 years ago, right? Um, but in the current political context and the context of feminism and misogyny and, you know, the week by week news stories that we see, I would say that even if your intent is purely, well, <laughs> innocent, even if your intent is as innocent as possible in that scenario, like you did want to just, you know, you th maybe maybe she sent the wrong signals like when or you, you picked up on the wrong signals when you were out um, and you thought it was going to be OK. Uh, so you sent a picture of a dick, but you, th you know, you thought it would like get you to the to second base or third base or, or something along those lines. Even if your intent is reasonably honourable and reasonably is doing a lot of heavy lifting there, um, I think in the current day and age, you have to factor in the wider context that it's not really acceptable and it's not up to you to decide if this is appropriate or not. You, you just have to understand that women do feel threatened by that sort of thing. They can feel controlled, I guess, um, and it's not you know don't don't fucking take the chance like at least send a question first say would you like to see a picture of my penis uh <laughs> that's the bare minimum entry level wow this all got really uh it's got very very deep very troubling and problematic probably um i don't know let's move on to the next topic uh which is you know a, a lot of people talk about what is the greatest problem that we face at the moment? Some people say it would be the climate emergency. Some people say it is Brexit. Uh, other people say it's political tribalism, which I think is, uh, you know, all of these things are uh, are, are fine, you know, <laughs> but imminent threats that we face and problems that need to be solved. Um, I think the, the problem that actually encapsulates all of them, that engulfs all of them, is short-termism. Uh, and, and it's politically agnostic. It's, it affects everyone. Um, uh, I see it in like examples in the left and the right and you know people who are not even connected to politics. It, it, you see it across the board in all of society. Is this sort of short-termist... Um, immediate gratification approach to everything uh and not even gratification just immediate lazy fixes to problems and you know i rant a lot of, uh, on tiktok and twitter about various problems but most of them can be encapsulated again like in into short termism if we somehow changed the dial a bit if we moved the needle a bit in terms of how we look at problems and the ripple effects that the solutions create 
we would be in such a better place uh, in in the next like five years or 10 years or 15 years. But the problem that we have is that and, and we will talk about sort of politically speaking, because that's something that we can all uh, we can all relate to. But um, the problem is that we we operate in this country and in, in Western liberal democracies in five year cycles, say. Uh, so there's a sort of panic with political parties to achieve what they need to achieve uh, in the first two years and then in the remaining two years to start gearing up the, the goodies for people for elections so that then uh, when you get to the end of the cycle people will remember you that you, you're the party that brought in x y and z right so in in its more cynical models you'll see this with the the tory party uh, and i'm sure labor have done this also but like with the Tory party example, it would be like they'll cut 20,000 police officers. Uh, and then in the year of the election, they'll announce that they're hiring 5,000 more police officers or something. So they're still down net 15,000. They still made the savings. But in the election year, they get to say we are commissioning this blah, 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 blah. Um, so five year cycles of trying to achieve what you want to do and then gearing up for an election again. Um, and and it, that's that's just one example, right? The other examples are Brexit. So we've um, we've voted to leave the EU. That uh, like a a political earthquake like that should have been managed in a careful, considered, consultative way between mature like grown ups in Britain and grown ups in the EU sitting around a table and over the space of ten years, maybe then like attempt to unpick and extricate our relationship which has been built up over decades um and and try to leave in a careful way that doesn't disrupt either side's economy too too badly right that's how that should have worked but because of this short-termist um uh this this urgent immediate need to fix solutions even if the fix is terrible uh what what we got was a conservative party who were obsessed with getting brexit done and tabloids and newspapers obsessed with getting brexit done um and so the output of that is that it's rushed it's hurried just so they can say yeah we got brexit done we've left aren't we great um because they only have five years to do these things and so the short-termist the 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 uh, the payback i guess the the or the kickback for behaving in that way politically is that you then have to deal with all of the fallout like now we're talking about food shortages we've got blood test shortages we've had an eu driver shortage eu hospitality worker shortage um that's just a shit i'm reading off the top of my head like the 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 fishing industry the car industry all of these like northern ireland like all of these uh, ripple effects these outputs of brexit being hurried and rushed in a way that is short-termist, just so that you can say, yeah, we got it done. Yeah, but did you get it done or did you just create 20 more problems? Oh, no, the important thing is that we got it done. Anyway, uh, back on to the next election. You know, it's like, it's so narrow-minded and short-termist. It's like a, it's like a toddler sort of climbing up a, a, a wobbly pile of books to get to the sweetie jar. <laughs> So then you get the sweetie, but now you're stuck on a wobbly pile of books and then it falls down and you break your leg or something. You know, it's it's like you just all you were focused on was getting to this one tiny thing. Like you didn't give any consideration to the uh, to the implications of what would happen when you actually got there. And it's that kind of mentality 
Um, and I'm not just talking about Brexit. I'm talking about, um, you know, Afghanistan, right? So we're talking about 20 years that we were over there. Now, that seems like a long time. But if you're talking about building states, changing the culture of a whole country to bring them up into 21st century Western culture um, and create institutions and get people familiar with and embracing universities and capitalism, um, 20 years is not that long. And so to pull out after 20 years and just go, well, yeah, I mean, we did it as good as we can. You know, that is a short termist mentality to change a nation's culture and a nation that is made up of so many different sort of tribes and cultures and uh, disciplines and leanings uh, such as Afghanistan's uh, is, I mean, the little that I know about Afghanistan, I would have thought that would be like a 50 year project. Uh, so to pull out after 20 years is short termist as fuck. Um, if you look at if you look at places like China and Russia, now they are dictatorships, right? They might say that they're not, but they are. Uh, they don't have to worry about short termism and gratification and pressure from the tabloids to get shit done tomorrow to sell papers. Um it's just one party forever, right? Now, that sounds bad, and it is bad because it's, you know, and it's not democratic. But the benefit that they have of that is that they don't work in five-year cycles. China are able to look at the planet and go, right, where do we need to be in 40 years' time? Okay, cool. Well, let's start laying the seeds now for that, that, and that, and then that could help us with our 20-year plan, which will help us with our 10-year plan. They work it back strategically. Like places like China, what they've done is they've they've gone in with like a soft power approach. What they've done is they've invested in London property, and they've um, they've bought up American debt, and they've stayed the fuck out of Middle East. They haven't spaffed all their money in Middle Eastern conflicts. So the output of that over their 20 year plan, like going back, is that now they have huge influence in America and they have huge influence in the UK and they don't have a bloody nose having fucked around in the Middle East. So China actually looked pretty competent and robust, whereas we look like we've spaffed a load of money on something and then run away from it, upended an entire country. We look ridiculous on the world stage. Nobody's going to trust us with any sort of military solutions in the near future. You know, it may take decades to repair the damage inflicted on our reputation on the global stage. Uh, and China, I'm no massive fan of fucking dictatorships by a long shot. But if you were some weird and wonderful country out there and you needed the help, militarily speaking or politically speaking, from either the US or China... Which one would you go for? I think you'd go with China and kind of the same with Russia, right? When you when you ask yourself who benefits from Afghanistan, uh, you know, the, the implication or the uh, the temptation is to go for for Putin because he fits the profile so so good of uh, a um, of like a Bond villain, you know, a geopolitical Bond villain sat there behind a desk in a dark room with a cat in his lap like <laughs> the west is falling you know like that sort of like the, the temptation is is to assume that this is all working oh i bet putin's rubbing his hands together with glee at this but you know china will benefit more out of this but to a lesser extent russia also because if you were this weird and wonderful country you might go to russia or you might go to china now because you i think if i was the president of 
fucking, I don't know, the Congo or Brazil or, you know. If I wanted help from a stable, robust, not ridiculous looking nation on the world stage, I could look at China and say they've got a 10 year plan, 20 year plan. They've strategically invested. They've got influence on the world stage. I could look at Russia and say sort of similar things, although they have a lot of sanctions wrapped around them. Uh, and, and, and then I could look at the US and I could say, hmm, well, the US have chaotically withdrawn. They've made a fool of themselves with Afghanistan. Uh, they've just had Trump. Now they've got Biden. Equally, if I look at the UK, similar problems, similar Western liberal democracies that have flushed their credibility down the toilet. And now I'd be in a decision if I was president of Brazil or or wherever, I might look at the US and the UK as too fractious. I might look at it like these guys break international law, plus they change leaders every five years. So like what's what's to say that I don't if I do a deal with the US now, what happens in four years time or three years time when it changes governments and then they suddenly go, yeah, I know, but that was the last guy. We, we don't want anything to do with you. You know, like that is instability. That is not robust. That's not reliable. And I think against the backdrop of shit like Afghanistan, we're now in a position where other countries might not want to do business with the UK or the US because we're so tribal, because we're so volatile. Um, and, and that is the real sad legacy of, of, shit like Af afghanistan and indeed of short-termism to bring it back to the original point um and and we see it like so on a geopolitical landscape we see it there but we also see it in in the individuals at the top of the political tree in the uk so boris johnson i mean take your pick any one of his sort of scandals are are, are fueled by this sort of this raw psychological id that needs instant animal-like gratification He'll fuck this woman over here because that's just what he wants to do right now. He'll say yes to this guy over here because he just needs to be liked by that guy right in this minute in this room right now. And then fuck the consequences. Michael Gove this week also showed the attribute of of being a short termist motherfucker because he had he had the choice to behave like a grown up and take his divorce on the chin and uh conduct himself in a way that was fitting for a cabinet minister and he decided no i'm gonna go out clubbing until 3 a.m in a fucking techno club like i mean you can't get more short-termist than that than having a cabinet minister think to himself yeah well this is what i want to do right now this is you know i know that i've probably got some shit in my brief i should be working on i know it's more important now more than ever for cabinet ministers to look like they are doing their work rather than sunning themselves on a beach or fucking off to the West Country <laughs> for an unofficial holiday. Or where did they go before Boris and Carrie went to Portugal on, on the slide, didn't they, I think, earlier in the year? Or there's this whole sort of feeling that the cabinet ministers are just fucking off. Like, they can't even be asked anymore. They're just, yeah, oh, I'll just go and sit on the beach. Or, no, I won't answer that phone call. Oh, yeah. And and Gove is like had the had the temerity in amongst all of that to just go yeah i might just yeah fuck it i'll just go out clubbing that's what i'll do you know <laughs> and it, like against the backdrop of his his divorce and shit like you could you could imagine him but i here's what i like to think i like to think that he has he had a really bad meeting with his solicitor and his wife's solicitor and his wife and the discussions of a settlement 
or like custody battling stuff or you know the value of the house and it being divided by two whatever it was that divorce conversation with the solicitors did not go well for michael and then i like to imagine that he walked outside of the solicitors in his suit and he just went well time to get fucked i guess and then that was it he just went out on a bender like apparently he was drinking alone in a pub for hours beforehand and then a few of the locals just went, you should come to this nightclub with us. We're going to go to a nightclub. He was like, yep, all right. See what I mean? Like short-term is as fuck. Like the, the long-term approach to that that situation would be, uh, I know that meeting didn't go well, but um, I need to think about how this will look and what this might do to my career, if it will make me look like a competent minister or an unstable one that's handling his divorce incredibly badly. Um, how is that going to affect my career? How will people take me seriously if they see me dancing in a club at 3am? Uh, short term is as fuck. It's just like, yep, I fancy doing that. Let's go. I will now dance. Camera phones? Oh, I don't give a shit. Yep, film me. Who cares? Um, and it's it's not even in government. I mean, I know I said we were going to tap into the politics side of it. But you see it across society. Like, I, I uh, after I got my first jab, I needed a haircut. I went to this hairdresser's around the corner and she um, she was cutting my hair and making conversation. And obviously the subject of the pandemic came up because she'd only recently reopened. And so we talked about the vaccine and I said, oh, you know, I've just had my jab. And I said, oh, have you had yours yet? And she said, uh, no, no, I'm not getting one. And I said, right, oh, okay. And I couldn't help but notice that this woman was 300 pounds. She was fucking massive. I, you know, I don't want to sound misogynistic or like fat phobic or whatever the word is, but she was a fat bitch. She really was. I mean, her nearest and dearest will call her a fat bitch. I am positive of that. Uh, she's that that is just her. You know, you can't <laughs> you can't be 300 pounds and a bit miserable and not be called a fat bitch you it's like you are deliberately jumping into the box ticket like you know do you know what i'm gonna be horrendously overweight and be pretty much miserable all the time but it's not fair to call me a fat bitch that is your that's false advertising well, i don't know that's pretty much what you're offering um anyways in this in this hairdresser's uh and she was cutting my hair and we yeah so we were talking about the jab she goes uh she said she's not having the jab because she wasn't sure what it would do to her um and she just didn't feel safe about getting it and she was 300 pounds big and she cited here's the here's the kicker she cited the news reports of the blood clots the fucking blood this 300 pound woman is worried about getting a jab in case it gives her blood clots in in the brief five minute window that she's given herself to cut my hair and not shovel fucking cheeseburgers in her face you know what i mean like it's it's the 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 short-termist thinking behind this on a societal level where your your hairdresser can say i don't want to get the jab which has been proven by scientists much smarter than you me or this fucking hairdresser uh to be by by a colossal extent safer for you than getting covid and will reduce your symptoms uh decrease dramatically the likelihood that you'll need to be hospitalized or, or go on a ventilator uh 
and yet this woman who has a cholesterol fucking high as a kite is like oh it might give me blood clot like oh my god motherfucker can you just get your head out of talk radio for a second put down the daily express and just listen to yourself like what if you get blood clots jesus fucking christ yeah what if you get blood clots like what here's a salad here's a fucking glass of water put down the, the coca-cola for a second what if you get blood clots? do you know what i mean like it's like well today i get to feel like i'm i'm not having a jab because i'm something of a contrarian and i like to feel like i'm fighting a against tyranny and oppression so i'm not going to get the jab so today i feel important and like some sort of freedom fighter right okay well that's your short-termist goal achieved and you feel good about yourself what about tomorrow what about next week what about two weeks from now when when the novelty of being this sort of tyranny fighting oppression hound when the novelty of that wears off and you get fucking covid and you end up in a hospital like doesn't doesn't the long-term feeling of like embarrassment and shame ever fucking kick in with these people you know like i've been posting these these pictures of news stories on instagram of people like her who say i'm not getting the jab i think the jab is bullshit i think covid's bullshit i won't wear a mask or you know the type right commonly called covidiots and there's a huge overlap with Brexiteers because they both see themselves as these sort of fighting against oppression, libertarian, um, yeah, like freedom fighters against tyranny. They won't, they don't want the state to overreach and jab in your arm or, you know, all, all of that shit. And I've been posting news stories about these guys and, and the ones that then end up on a ventilator or end up dying on the basis that I'm like, it's OK to have a bit of a giggle because nobody's forcing these people to die in a really dumb way. You know, like the information is out there. Scientists, as I say, smarter than you, me, this hairdresser, whoever else, have decided that these jabs are safe or safe enough or safer than getting COVID. And yet still it's like, nah, not doing that. And I think it, they're just drunk on the ego of being the freedom fighter, of being like, no, well, everyone else was a fucking sheep and they all wear masks and they said oh yeah I'll, I'll gobble up your jabs but i said no and i fought back like they love being that person until they get covid and they go into fucking hospital and then suddenly they beg for the vaccine and and release these videos and say i i, I just wish that i had had got the jab when i could um it's like the the short-termist mentality of these people coupled with the ego is such a dangerous uh preface to death and to their family mourning for them um that it's yeah it's just so dark and depressing like i that's my biggest fear is that i die in a stupid way like i'm walking down the street and then just randomly somebody drops a piano out the window and it just like that's it game over splat or you know i'm i forget to turn the blah 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 off and then i turn the power and then the whole house blows up and i'm killed instantly and then people are like well he was always a bit ditzy you know like dying in a stupid way is my biggest fear and if i if i do die in a stupid way podcasts like this are going to get cut the fuck up and then posted next to the news story of how i fucking died stupidly i understand that i i, I really do i'm acutely aware of that um 
But that's why I don't understand why other people are not acutely aware of that. And when they go on these conservative radio shows or they go on Facebook or wherever and they peddle this nonsense about like, no, the masks don't work or, you know, the jabs are bullshit. And then they've seen hundreds, if not thousands of others by this point end up dying and looking fucking stupid and ending up on Reddit threads with people like me mocking it, going like, well, you know, he was a fucking idiot and he died of idiot idiocy. Like, like, shouldn't the shame, like pre-shame, shouldn't that kick in? Be like, oh, well, you know, I do like being a freedom fighter, but I really don't like dying and having everyone mock my death. Like, wouldn't you? Shouldn't that kick in? I feel like it should. Um... I don't know, man. Anyway, listen, I've been rabbiting on now for almost an hour. So uh, if you have made it to the end of this, please do uh, give me a tweet because I never know who the fuck is listening to this. So if you are listening, then please say hello and uh, I'll be back soon. There might there might be a, like a week's delay in, uh, in the next episode or two because... Um, I'm going to change laptops and it takes me a while to uh, to configure these and to get it all set up again. So please bear with me. The other request I have is that if you have a friend who is interested in politics and or dystopia uh, and you think that they might enjoy a podcast where we sort of thrash out these topics and uh, we have a guest and then there's fuck this week episodes. If you think this is the sort of thing that your friend might enjoy please 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 do refer it to them because um i'm really trying to grow the thing it is just me producing it it's a hundred percent independent um and i'm trying to grow it purely through word of mouth i don't really want to spend loads of money on pr and all that shit so um yeah if you if you'd like to do that that would be great and in return i will add you to the patreon lists uh, where you'll get um, a little sneak preview of every episode before it's posted to everybody else um once again thanks a lot for listening do say hello on twitter and i'll catch up with you next time cheers bye